Jesus wants each and every believer to realize that they're the voice. To, for us to understand that the stakes are really high all the time. You know, Matthew 5, Jesus said in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, Jesus wanted us to understand how important our daily actions are, our attitudes, the conversations that we have, and that the world's watching 24-7. And what they see in your life and mine is either going to draw them toward a relationship with God or it's going to repel them away from God. They ever want to have a relationship with God. One or the other. We, we've talked about the importance of authenticity, that you've got to be yourself, that you do not need to be perfect. You know, newsflash, you're not, neither am I. And that we do not have to have all the answers, but we've got to be real, got to be genuine. And that it is absolutely vital as Christians that what we say and what we do, that they sync up and that they, they match up. Last week, we talked a little bit about improving our, our vision, and that if we will do that, if we'll look outside the circle, that we can move outside of our comfort zone in life, and that we should be about connecting with people that are far from God, uh, people that God loves, people that we are called to love. And I kind of gave us the why. Why is because people matter. And heaven and hell are in the balance, that those things should motivate us. But people matter. You know, people matter so much that God willingly gave up his son, Jesus Christ, his one and only son, to pay the price for us, to defeat sin, to defeat death, to buy back, uh, you might say, humanity, to make a relationship with him possible. And for some reason that's only known to God, he loved us that much. And I don't know if that really sinks in sometimes. But, you know, God sent his son and Jesus under the direction of his father. He he left the comfort of heaven. He left a a place of perfection. If you think about it, Jesus, the the angels were caring for him. They, They worshiped him. And Jesus left all that. And he took this long walk from, from heaven to, to earth with the full knowledge that he would die for the sins of the world. He knew that when he left. That's how much we're loved. Scripture says, Paul writes in Romans 5, 8, he says, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still what? Sinners. God loved us that much. That's how important people are. And that's why reaching people that are far from God is core to the church and should be core to the Christian life. Because I believe when we reach out to people, people that are far from God, that we are the closest to the heart of God when we do that. Now, I want to talk about influence a little bit today because... The, the fact is, influence is, is huge in, in our lives and plays huge in other people's lives. But think with me for a minute. Just imagine 
the, you get a phone call out of the blue. You know, it's one of these where, hello? Hello, Diamond Talking Tune? I'm like, it's Damon. Yeah, Mr. Diamond, um, you need to refinance your home. And I'm the guy to do it with. You ever get a call like that? How many of you just hang up? <laughs> yeah, I mean, how many of you are going to sign up for that? Seriously. I mean, I, I disengage rapidly. And I think that's true. When, when you talk about things that are close to our heart, things like finances or relationships or the future, the fact is you do not put your life in the hands of a stranger. True? We just don't. The fact is we, we listen to people that, that we trust. Uh, friends influence friends. It's true general in, in life. And it's especially true, I believe, in the ultimate issues of life, the things that really, really matter. If people are going to be reached for Jesus Christ, if they're going to be reached for God, for the most part, they are not going to be reached by a stranger. They're not going to be reached by a street evangelist or even a televangelist, for that matter. People usually are touched People are usually influenced by people they know. It's an important pattern you see in the New Testament. I believe it's true today as I've observed the the church and how people take faith steps. Friends influence friends. And therefore, Christians have to leave their comfort zone. Christians have to be willing to walk across the office, walk across the room, you know, go to the other side of the campus, you know, walk across the street or next door to your neighbor. Because, why? Because that person matters. That person matters to God. That step just might change that person's life. It might change their eternity, for that matter. How do you leave the comfort zone? You know, as Christians, I believe you have to live life every moment of every day with your eyes wide open. Your eyes wide open to the people that are in in your view, to the opportunities that God gives you. And you have to have your eyes wide open to the Holy Spirit, that prompting inside you. The Holy Spirit kind of prompts you to take a step towards someone. And understand this, this isn't out of guilt. This isn't some heartless uh, obedience, you know. I got to do this, you know. But it's out of love. It's out of love. It's out of a a deep love, a deep love that we want to be used by God, a deep love that the fact is when we look at an individual, do you see a person that is possibly facing eternity without God? That should flip a switch in us as Christians. There's an account uh, in John 4. Jesus and the disciples, they've been traveling all day. And I I think they're worn out, kind of tired. We we know that they're hot and thirsty. And they're on the outskirts of town. They're right next to a, a well. And the disciples, they kind of look around. They're assessing things, looking at what's going on. And they decide they're going to go into town and have, have lunch. Hit the diner, you know, White Castle, I don't know. But they're, they're heading in. 
Jesus says, you know what, guys? Bring me back something. I think I'm just going to hang out here. But Jesus took that step because he always lived with his eyes wide open. The, The fact is, as Jesus stood there, he looked over at the well, and on the other side, there was a woman. And there was something in his spirit that prompted. And so Jesus just walked to the other side of the well. Now, I think we think about wells like the old-time wells that are kind of small and run the bucket down. Think swimming pool, okay? He walked to the other side. And Jesus, who is Jewish, sees a Samaritan woman. He knew she was a Samaritan. She knew he was a Jew. Jews and Samaritans, um, how do you say it? They didn't get along. Politically, theologically, they were divided. And then you've got this uh, gender bias in that day. Jewish men did not acknowledge women in public. The fact is, women were invisible, or at least that's how they treated them, okay? Jesus throws the protocol to the curb. Because he was prompted. He approaches the woman. She initially, if you read the text, is really caught off guard. The fact that he would even speak to her. And they just start having a conversation about the only thing they have in common at that point. You know what it was? Water. They just have a conversation about water. And eventually, they end up talking about living water. And in the midst of this conversation, things just begin to come out. We we find out that this woman, she's blitzed through five marriages. She's living with a guy. And her life's a mess. And so they get talking about this stuff. And one thing leads to another. And there comes a point in the conversation where she gives her life to God. She, She comes to faith. And you've got this beautiful encounter where she leaves. I mean, she races into town. And she drags half the town out to meet Jesus. And so for the next couple days, Jesus is teaching by the well. And people are listening. And scripture says this in John 39. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. In other words, that's what got them moving. You go on down, verse 42, it says, They said to the woman, We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. See, they've been listening to him teach for a couple days. And we know that this man really is the savior of the world. What started as a, a very simple conversation about H2O results in a woman's life being changed. All of her, her family and friends that she told, they, they come out to listen to Jesus, and they come to faith. And I, I kind of roll through this, and I think, I bet if you were to go forward 25, 30 years, take a look at the kids and the grandkids, they're Christians, they're living the faith, they're allowing the Holy Spirit to guide them in their lives. They have the wisdom of God as a foundation. And they're living with this assurance of heaven. I'm going to guess if you were to ask them, how did it happen? 
How did it happen? How did you come to faith? If you could piece all the stories together, you could track it all back to a conversation about water. Now, what I want to do today, with the time that we've got left, is I want to look at some key steps that we need to be about if we're going to reach people for Jesus Christ. Things, I believe, that will improve how we reach people and touch people's lives. And it starts right out of the gate by saying, you've got to pay attention to the Holy Spirit. This is where it's won or lost. This is where the opportunities, either we see them or they get away from us. You know, last week it was interesting. After the service, people were catching me. I got emails, uh, talked to, ran into a few at the stores, and we got into conversations. And everybody told it a little bit different, but it went something like this. They said, you know, when you were talking last week about who in my life doesn't know God, I saw so-and-so's face. Sometimes they put a name to it. They said, the whole time you were talking... I just kept seeing a little flash. Some of you right now, if you were honest, there's a flash there. You're seeing a face. And I want to tell you, that's the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Now, you can explain it away. You could rationalize it. In fact, you could dismiss it or just ignore it. And I believe if you do that long enough, you kind of dull your spiritual sensors in you, you know, you just kind of dull out. But the fact is that we have a choice there. You know, that that flash, that person's face, that's a prompting of the Holy Spirit. God gently showing you. And I believe we're fully aware of it. We're fully aware that that's what's going on. We go, okay, that was very clear. But for some reason... We make this really complicated. You know, we get this this prompting. It's pretty clear. You knew who it was. You go, I saw it. But we tend to complicate it by going, you know what? I need something spectacular to be sure. You know, what I would like is when I walk out of church today, I want to look up in the sky and all the clouds form and make their face. And some of you are thinking, if that happened, if if I saw that, then I'd pay attention. Well, friends, it doesn't work that way. Probably not going to work that way. Let me put it that way. But here's the deal. Even if it did, even if that happened, you would rationalize it away also. See, we are either open to the the gentle prompting of the Holy Spirit, or we're not. Just as you ignore those promptings, and I say it dulls your, your spiritual sensitivity, I believe as you respond to those promptings, what happens is you start recognizing them. And then you realize that you actually receive a lot of them through the day. So first, you've got to pay attention to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. 
after you sense that, whatever, whatever it is, you know, maybe it's just something casual like the, in the drama here. It's just stop and talk. After you sense that prompting, hey, you ought to talk to them, then you've got to take the risk and do it. You've got to take the step. You've got to reach out. Yes, it requires faith. Yes, it requires courage. Yes, again, we, we tend to, to complicate this. We, we make it terribly complicated. We get, we get a prompting from the Holy Spirit. And it's something like this. Hey, you ought to go talk to them. They look like they need someone to talk to. And what we do is we amp it all up. We add panic to a very simple request. Go talk to them. We go, oh, no, oh, no. God wants me to walk over there and tell them my life story. Oh, no, I, I, I've got I've to go home. I've got to memorize the book of John so that I can recite it to them word for word. I need to present the 55 steps to the Christian life. Friends, God just prompted you to walk over and talk to them. Connect with them. And I cannot begin to tell you how many times in the run of a week that I'll just sense God saying, you need to give so-and-so a call. Or, you know, I'll see someone. And I just strike up a conversation. And when God says, go talk to them, I've been following long enough now, I do not hesitate anymore. I just go. I just go. And sometimes I go over, and it's just a moment of connection. You know, it's casual. Nothing, nothing of any substance at that point. Sometimes that surface conversation begins something that God uses to build a foundation. And sometimes it takes weeks. Sometimes it's months, sometimes it's years. But God builds on just a casual, hey, how are you doing? Noticed you over here. And sometimes God takes a very simple gesture and turns it into something significant. And sometimes God does it right out of the gate. You know, a while back I was, I was at the mall and uh, I was in Macy's in Chicago shopping for shirts figure, huh? But I, I, I found a couple shirts on sale. I was buying them. And, and so I uh, got in line. And I'm telling you, serious lines. This is right after Christmas, okay? So people were like returning things and everything. So I'm standing in line in this department. There are two lines. There's the line I'm in that's moving along pretty well, moving at a good pace. And then the line next to me, Slow as molasses. I mean, slow, 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 slow. And so I'm over here, cooking along, getting closer. And I I sense the Holy Spirit getting the other line. And I thought, that's kind of a weird thing. The line's really slow over there, God. Haven't you noticed? I mean, but I thought, okay, what have I got to lose? Switch lines. Finally, and I emphasize finally, got to the front. Lay the shirts down. Clerk goes, cool shirt. Said, yeah, I liked it. I like it. And we're kind of talking. He's ringing them up. And then he gets to one, and it doesn't have a price. So 
he's trying to get a price for it. He had to get a manager and all this. So we're, we're just chit-chatting. He says, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry about the weight. And I was like, nah, no problem. You know, I'm on vacation. Got my Starbucks. I'm chilling out. And uh, he's like, oh, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a pastor. And I love it because I get this once in a while. They go, you're a pastor? I mean, I could tell he was a little bit surprised. I said, yeah, I'm a pastor. He said, well, where do you pastor? I said, Faith Fellowship um, down in Alton. I could tell he didn't know where Alton was, and I'm like, around the St. Louis area. And he goes, oh. Now, it was a bit of an odd response, just kind of, uh, it was hanging there. Now, I could have stopped in our conversation there, but... I thought, okay, maybe it's an opening. I mean, and so I go, where do you go to church? Friends, I watched the energy drain from this guy. He goes, you know, I'm not really sure about God. He said, a while back, I, there's a church down the street from me. And he said, I wanted to find out more about God, so... I showed up. I went there for a couple weeks. And then he kind of launched in. He goes, you know, my, my life, it's far from perfect. He said, I've got struggles. He said, you know what? I'll just be honest with you. He says, I'm just not right. They said, I went to church for a couple weeks. And he said, people kind of avoided me. And he said, I showed up, and the pastor was waiting for me. And he asked me to leave. He said, he looked at me, and he said, God doesn't love people like you. Now, now friends, it's one of those moments. I mean, I realize this is not a casual conversation anymore. And I also realize that I now have an audience They are zeroed in on the conversation. They are not worried how long they're going to be in line or anything. I mean, it's just quiet. And I knew what I said next was going to be key, was going to be vitally important to that young man. And I also knew, which was secondary in my mind, but I also knew what I would say next was going to leave an impression on everybody that was listening. And I just, I said, you know what? We all got struggles. I've got a lot of struggles. And I am very sorry that that was your experience. And I want you to know that God absolutely loves you and cares about you. And friends, it's one of those I'll never forget. I mean, I looked at him. Tears are welling up in his eyes. And he just, he looked at me and he just like, I wish you were closer. I'd come to your church. And I said, I wish I was too. And in that moment, you could have heard just a sigh of relief from the people that were around us. I gave him a card from the church, told him about our website that he could listen and 
because I went to, I did my master and doctorate work in Chicago. I knew churches, and I said, hey, where are you located? And he told me, and so I told him about a great church that was near where he, he lived. A little prompting. Switch lanes. Minimal risk that may have had a small impact or a huge impact. I, I, I don't know. Probably won't know until I get to heaven. So you get in this, this prompting from the Holy Spirit. Go talk to so-and-so. Change lanes. Walk to the other side of the well or whatever. So you take the risk. You walk over to someone's cubicle in the office or you start up a conversation with someone that's in your class. Whatever. Let me ask you, what is the most important thing that you do? I believe as I say that, some of you would go, well, it's getting people saved. Some of you are thinking, it's share with them the five-point plan to salvation. It's inviting them to church. And what I want to say is do not complicate this. We have made evangelism so difficult and complicated in our mind. What's the most important thing that we do when it comes to the reaching other people for God? This is my opinion, okay? My opinion. But it is to allow the Holy Spirit to work in us and through us. You know, I, I would love it if every time I had a conversation with someone... It resulted in them bowing a knee to Jesus Christ, giving the reins to God, taking some major faith step in their life. I'd love that. But that's not true. And that's not real. In fact, I have learned something through the years. That God uses me in all kinds of different roles. You know, sometimes I'm the opener. I'm the one that God uses to just put a little crack in the door. So that somebody else could come along and open it wider and wider. Sometimes God uses me to encourage people. Just add a little bit of hope to, to their life. To help, help them uh, work on something that they're already working on. And then sometimes I get to be the closer. I actually get to help the person take that physical step of faith. But here's what I've figured out too. When God prompts me, Damon, change lanes. I really don't know where it's going to lead. I don't know what my role is ahead of time. I do not know how far I'm going to get to take things. All I know is that when I take that step, that I've got to start connecting with that person And little by little, it starts kind of coming into focus. You know, some have said it's called the zone of the unknown. Most of our face steps are that. We just don't know. Jesus is, he was leaving Samaria. He's been teaching for two days. All these people have come to faith. He's talking to the disciples. Verse 35, it says, But I say, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe for the harvest. And he talks a little more, but he kind of zeroes in and says, you know, all the roles are important. When he says, 
What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike? In other words, all the roles that we play, we all play different roles in people's lives, they're all going to be important. But we have just got to get to a point where we just say, you know what, God, use me. Use me. You need to develop an attitude in your life. If God prompts me, I will seize the opportunity. I will take a step of faith and move in that direction. I'll cooperate with the Holy Spirit each and every step, and I'll let God just use me, use me, use me. And if God wants to use me to move someone from here to here, cool. God wants to use it to move someone from here all the way to a point where they take a step of faith. I'm in. I'm in. Eyes wide open. Eyes wide open to the people that are around you. Eyes wide open to what the Holy Spirit might want to do through you. Eyes wide open to being used by God whenever, however, wherever God wants to use you. I think something else as Christians that we we have to work on, and I I don't know that this is the right term, but it's the term I'm going to use. We need relational IQ, okay? This is something I believe we can all work on. It's something that we can do to kind of increase our effectiveness with reaching people. And the first thing is it starts with you being you. You know, who God created you to be. In other words, it's navigating a conversation with your God-given personality. In other words, when the Holy Spirit prompts you, I want you to know it's because the Holy Spirit wants you. If God wanted someone else to get involved in that person's life, then God would have prompted them. You know, it drives me crazy. People go, well, I just, I I don't talk like Billy Graham talks. Well, God's not calling Billy Graham. He's calling you. And the Holy Spirit fully expects for you to be you. All right? Enough said. We talked about that our first week, the importance of authenticity, being yourself. The, The second thing that I believe we can do in developing some relational IQ here is that when you're first connecting with someone, you have to find the things you have in common. You know, instead of focusing on what you don't have in common. In other words, it's better to build a bridge than a wall, right? We know that. I think it's what Jesus was talking about. He said to his followers, he says, listen, I'm sending you out just like sheep to a pack of wolves. That sounds pretty appealing, doesn't it? You must be as cautious as snakes and as gentle as doves. Jesus approaches the woman at the well. They didn't have much in common. Jesus focuses on what they have in common. He talks to her about H2O. They're both there to get water. You know, I'm in Chicago. I'm talking to the guy about a shirt. You know, I, in fact, I'll be honest, I use shirts a lot to connect with people. See them in the store, see somebody somewhere, I'll be like, oh, they got a Ram shirt on. 
You know, and I'll go, Rams fan? Yeah. I said, I love football. And then I usually go Steelers or something like that. And here's the deal. Immediately, I've got a conversation, and it's a connection point. Oh, you like football? You know, and off we go. I believe you can blow a conversation in the first minute. I mean, if you're not really, really, really careful. You know, you see someone, you sense God saying, oh, go talk to them. So you walk over and go, hi, I'm Damon. I'm a Christian. Uh, Jesus Christ changed my life. Do you know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior? Here's what happens. The person just goes, ooh, you know. They just kind of freak out. When I was talking to the clerk in Chicago, it was just a natural conversation. When, when he found out I was a pastor, he responds and, you know, it's like, oh, you're a pastor. Now, if he would have just left it and said that, I would have let the conversation just go a different way. I wouldn't have pursued him, in other words. But, but he didn't. He started opening up the spiritual doors, I call them. Because he goes, oh, where do you pastor? See, he's shown a little bit of interest in, you know, whether it was out of politeness or whatever, he opens the door. And so when he found out what, where I pastored, when he asked me that, I think he was genuinely disappointed. You know, I could kind of hear it in the, oh. So, so I just simply asked a question that seemed to me to relate to where we were. And I said, do you go to church? Now, again, I want you to know that in my mind, and it kind of runs fast, but if he had just said, yes, I go to church, or no, I don't. If that's all he would have said, I probably would have just let it drop. You know, maybe if he said, yes, I go to church, I might go, oh, where do you go to church? But that was the pivot point in our conversation because he opens the conversation up. I mean, wide open at that point. And he just starts telling me about his experience and his struggles. I want you to notice what I did not do and what I did do in that. You notice I didn't ask him what his struggles were? I'm pretty sure I know because, you know, I kind of gave you the abbreviated version of our conversation, but just the language he used, pretty sure I knew, but I didn't ask him. You go, well, well, why not? Well, one, it was a public conversation. We had an audience behind us. But even if we had been alone talking and nobody could have heard us, I wouldn't have dug into his struggles. Okay, I wouldn't have dug into him at that point. Because again, I believe the early points in building relationships and connecting with people, it's about connecting. It's about finding common ground. Now, 
I know as I say that, and I'm, I'm just going to save you some energy today. Some of you are going, you know what, I'm going to catch him after service. He blew it. You know, he should have taken on the sin thing. Or he, you missed the opportunity to let him know that his life's not honoring God and all this stuff. Save it. Save it. Because I believe the most important thing that we do in evangelism and reaching people is allowing the Holy Spirit to work through us, allowing God to use us however God sees fit, not how we see fit, how God sees fit. And the second most important thing, Christians hear this, is that we show radical, unconditional acceptance of where we find people when God brings them into our life. You notice I didn't say, oh, reckless, you know, condoning of sin and lifestyles and choices. I didn't say that. You know, someone goes, oh, I get drunk every weekend. You don't go, well, that doesn't matter. It's okay. That's cool. I didn't say that. But what I said is that you have to have radical acceptance of people where they are when you find them. And I know. For some, that's, you're getting really nervous. Join the crowd. When someone's starting to open up, when they are asking questions, when they are opening a spiritual window or two, I do not want to shut them down. I want to keep them focused on what matters. I want to keep them focused on that God loves them. I want to keep them focused on that God has a plan for their life, that he created them fearfully and wonderfully, that I want to bring people to that ultimate moment. And this is the issue of what are you going to do with the person of Jesus Christ and the works of Jesus Christ. See, I believe we can deal with issues and struggles and stuff after the person steps across the line and says, I want to give my life to Christ. See, you can start the transformation. You know, the Holy Spirit's working in their life to help them break whatever their strongholds, whatever the things are that we battle with. And friends, it is the only model that I know. It's the only biblical model that there is. If you study scripture, you study the life of Jesus Christ, Jesus didn't really care where he found people. He just met them where they were. Every single time. I mean, Jesus didn't expect someone that had lived 20, 30 years really far from God. He didn't expect them to be holy. That's why you find Jesus, he's with people, they're drunks, they're thieves, they're adulterers, they're extortionists, prostitutes, egomaniacs, you know, combinations of all that. And he just didn't care because he was going to meet them where they were. And then when they stepped across, he'd help them change. And friends, that's where God started with me. Junior high kid that was a squirrel, trust me. And I believe that's where God started with you. Yes? Where you were. See, I believe one of the biggest mistakes that Christians make is trying to force a spiritual conversation. And friends, I got to tell you, when you force it, people just shut down. They quit listening. 
You know, God will let you know when it's time to have a God talk or a faith conversation. In fact, they'll open the door most of the time. It'll naturally flow. It'll just be two people talking, not something rehearsed, not something that you forced on them. How many of you have ever had the uh, misfortune, I guess I'll call it, of having a conversation with someone and you realize about two sentences in that you're the target? Do you know what I'm talking about? You're having a conversation with someone and then you figure out they're on a mission. They're on a political mission. They're on a social issue mission. They want to sell you something. And the moment you figure it out, I don't know about you, but I just kind of recoil. It's like, really? You want to sell me insurance? I'm out of here. You know. Christians, you can't operate that way. The fact is, too many Christians, they're on a mission. They're on a mission, and they don't know anything about the person that they're reaching out to. They, to be honest, they don't really care about the person that they're reaching out to. They're not interested in that person, not interested in their life. They're on a mission. They're on a mission. They're clueless to the physical and verbal cues that are all around them, not assessing the level of interest or openness that the person that you're talking to. And if I could say one thing to Christians about building relationships... Here it is. Chill out. Just chill out. Slow down. Slow down. Uh, Avoid topics that are just going to divide you and create walls initially. Let the relationship build over time. Give it a chance. Let it build a foundation. Let Let them know. Because as they realize that you actually do care about them, you actually are listening to them, that, that, you're not, that they're not some project, it changes things. You know, ask questions. Ask follow-up questions. Get to know them. Don't force it. Don't force it. And what will happen is they'll start opening up. Spiritual opportunities will present themselves, maybe right out of the gate, or it may take a long time. Most people think evangelism is about what they have to say. It's about getting to say your piece, so to speak. It's not. It's not. It is about them. It is about them. It's about that person that doesn't have that close relationship with God. It's about helping them figure out how to experience God's grace and God's love in their life. But it's about them. You know, this stuff, we make it so complicated. And the fact is, you are not alone in this. If God, through the Holy Spirit, prompts you, then God will help you take the steps you need to. You've got to trust God enough to let him guide your conversations. God will help you move forward. And whether it's that five-minute conversation like I had 
in Macy's? Or it's conversations that I have with someone over five weeks or five months or five years or 50 years. God will work in you and through you if you let him. But you got to trust him. God, God prompted you. God called you. And God will give you the words to say as you meet people where they are. Where they are. Eyes wide open. God's called us to be people that live with our eyes, our hearts, wide open to the people around us and to the Holy Spirit. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, God, I pray that uh, we'd just be your voice. God, that we'd just see whoever it is you'd have us see, that um, we'd realize it's not all sitting on our shoulder, that uh, all we really have to do is Take, take a step, say a word, get things rolling. God, I am so thankful that you loved me right where I was all those years ago. God, I just pray that uh, we'd have that kind of heart. Use us, God make a difference in this world, mark eternity. It's in Christ's holy name we pray.